Untitled Beatles podcast. Hi, I'm TJ, Untitled. <laughs> and I'm Tony from the Untitled Beatles. <laughs> you want to start over? <laughs> well, TJ, welcome to the Untitled Beatles podcast. I'm Tony. Tony, I'm TJ, and welcome to our world. Welcome to our world. Welcome to our world of fill in the blank improv. <laughs> oh, Beatles. Dude, I, I thought he was in a band. I didn't know this was going to be like an improv show. Tony, it's good to see you. Today we are going to begin our six-parter. Folks, do not turn us off on Red Rose Speedway. Only one more kiss. In actuality, TJ, we are uh, we are doing... Uh, the topic is Beatles as sidemen, session players, as uh, playing on other people's records, basically. Yeah. Oh, so I didn't have to listen to Little Lamb Dragonfly a hundred times again. <laughs> I'm waiting. See me, I'm waiting. (laughs) Hey, welcome to the Untitled Beatles podcast. If you like us, please subscribe to us on wherever you do the things with the subscribe. Thank you to our producer, Casey Baker, for uh, sifting through all the nonsense to cut through to the the rough beetle diamonds that lurk underneath our... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> our folly. I have rough beetle diamonds if I didn't have Metamucil. <laughs> it's true. I have a lot of fiber. Trader Joe's makes the least tasty cereal in the history of cereal. Yeah. It's like, it's like all fiber, but it's not like, it's just like little clumps of like gross. Clumps and you put fruit in it to make it a little better, but it's like, you know, instant pooper is going to get you. Oh. <laughs> Paul, Paul, it's one of those cereals. Yeah, man. Golden blowing you. Tony, I want to thank people. You said like and subscribe, and we've gotten a couple really nice reviews lately, which is really neat. I'm just I'm, I'm looking on the uh, the old podcast reviews on iTunes. Yeah, man. And Ternacious Dennis, you know Dennis. Dennis is a listener of the show. Left us a really nice review. Thank you, Dennis. Thanks, Dennis. Uh, Clark, Clark left us a really sweet review. Thank Alfred, you, which is neat. Josh, Thanks, we talked about Josh Thank Owen you, because Owen gave us a great, uh, a great episode idea. The fans oh, yeah. of country Owen. songs. So it, Owen. it's really nice. It, it helps with our algorithms. I don't use that word correctly anytime <laughs> I say it, but it's the old uh, Gershwin algorithms, algo music. Yeah, man. And if you join us on the old Patreon, you can get on the Discord. We've had some fun listener submissions. Uh, from our Beatles sellout episode, more harp cited uh, the dance tonight commercial. It was a commercial oh, for yes. iTunes. Everybody gonna dance tonight. Everybody gonna feel alright. Everybody gonna dance around tonight. A buddy of mine worked on that commercial. My friend Stu. He sent me the full clip of that before it was released. Nice man. Good That's friend cool. members in college. Stu, if you're listening, love you, buddy. Great to see you in Pittsburgh last summer. I'm just gonna shout out all my friends on the road. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Greg, and I think you're in Florida. Hi, Greg. Um, <laughs> more harp. All right, I said that already. Glenn Kay found a particularly icky ad that Paul did for Visa back in 1990 on his... Uh, did you see this ad? I'd forgotten about this. Yes. In Paris, they lined up in the streets. In Rome, it was standing room only. In L.A. and New York, his concert sold out in an hour. So if you want to see Paul McCartney and his new band, get in line early and get out your Visa card. I, see, I used to love this ad. Oh, well, because it was... Yeah, because it was your buddy, Paul. And it's the end of My Brave Face, which is such a great (laughs) ending. They play the full ending. And the only problem is it's everywhere you want to be. Yeah, yeah. That's the problem, is it? The My Brave Face thing comes right after the line. Because a concert like this doesn't take place every day. And it doesn't take American Express. It's everywhere you want to be. (laughs) I'm very mad at you and Glenn. I don't want anything to do with either of you. Uh, Franco Lumbo said, great episode, guys. Sorry about the quest version of Gotta Get You Into My Life. That was me singing. What? Then I suddenly see you. Did I tell you I need you? Every single day. 
Yeah, he said he went down from Scotland to the south of England to audition. Then he was taken to Abbey Road to record it. He recorded that at Abbey Road, man. And he said he remembered the Quest people were on a listening line from Denver. And their main concern was that the Ubits were, quote, too Scottish. <laughs> that's, that's why Mulligan Tire don't work nowhere <laughs> yeah. except England and the UK. That's why it didn't chart in Denver. <laughs> Mulligan Tire did not chart in Denver, man. <laughs> it's also why they hate girls' school. I don't know what. Um, oh, that is. Wait, who was that? I missed. That was Franco Lumbo. He's on the old Discord. Franco, yeah. thank you. And I'm going to go back and listen to that. I only heard that one in the uh, episode because Tony found all the episodes. This might surprise you. Tony <laughs> did the work. <laughs> I, I listened dutifully. But no, that's awesome. Good for you for being on a major spot and good for you getting the chance to sing the song of one of your heroes. That's great. Yeah, yeah. And it helped him pay for like the, his band's next uh, recording and stuff. So yeah, yeah, I get it. And I want to make very clear Frank, not a sellout. Yeah, not a sellout, man. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, not a sellout. Yeah. The verdict, the UBP verdict is in. Not a sellout. Yeah, man. You use that that money for your own band. I get it. Yeah, I get it. I work on commercials. I get it. I do get I, it. I, I I don't get it. I mean, I I think that that the commerce is art and art is commerce, and uh, I'd rather not make money. Although I'm going for a week to do gigs for. A f Redacted. So that TJ may continue to side hustle for corporate America. Oh, by the way, Bert Chide liked uh, Stu's work on that Dance Tonight video. He quite liked that. And he hipped us to this BBC article. Well, you read this this morning. Full disclosure, it's uh, mid-June. But uh, Beatle News, AI was used to uh, enable a final Beatles song. Yes, it's the final Beatles song. Calderstone. The Rock. Ooh, I hope it's Pink Litmus Paper Shirt. <laughs> Check my Litmus Paper Shirt. No, so presumably the uh, the final Beatles song is uh, Now and Then, which is the one that they tried. Well, that's just been assumed. That's only, and that's, I think everything I've read, and I've read a bunch of stuff on this today, that's only been assumed because that's the one that obviously they worked on briefly for anthology. George said, I don't want to do this anymore. And Paul said a couple times, well, maybe I'll go back and finish it with Jeff Lynn. But there's no official indication that it will be now and then. I still think there's a chance mm. it's going to be Carnival of Light. Barcelona. Why? Barcelona. Using the Prince while my guitar gently weeps guitar solo. <laughs> Yeah, so that it'll sell. <laughs> Prince, the Beatles, Calderstone, Limp Biscuit, Barcelona, Hollywood Vampires, <laughs> Solo Johnny Depp, Dog Star, Keanu Reeves' band, The Dog from Dog Star. <laughs> Well, so we have that to look forward to. Do we? That's the question for you. Do we? Because I believe that AI produced by the Beatles is more acceptable to me than AI not produced by the Beatles. Yeah. I mean, if they were trying to do now and then, let's say it's now and then. If they were trying to do that back in 94 or whatever, you know, then it's like, okay, pick it back up and do it again. I I, I think it'll have the same effect as... Uh, Everyone's favorite Beatles song, Free as a Bird. <laughs> <laughs> I do like Free as a Bird. I, was I like thinking, it. But... <laughs> what if they use AI to do uh, a beat, the Beatles doing Robert Plant's album Now and Zen? <laughs> <laughs> Someone's already, some goof is already doing that, man. And it's, it sounds like shit on YouTube. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> just bite the bullet and listen to some shitty fucked up garbage, <laughs> TJ. Did you hear this AI mashup of Big Log and Sea Moon? Check it out. Yeah, it sounds like a fucking nightmare. AI, uh. we make nightmares. <laughs> Was that the intro I should have been in? <laughs> well, today's episode suggestion also comes from a listener. Ron on Facebook writes, A show on Beatles as sidemen to other artists' records. 
especially unusual ones like George on Brandy Carlisle's record or Ringo playing on Ian Hunter's record. Brandy Carlisle, I think he means Belinda Carlisle, yeah? Did we just give a loyal listener the buzzer? Is that one of our first <laughs> listener buzzers? <laughs> Congratulations, Ron. You got a listener buzzer. Ooh. How's that feel? Uh-oh. Where did you feel it most? I'll tell you where I feel it. <laughs> a listener buzzer is like Bill Curtis leaving a voicemail on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. That, that's the difference. <laughs> yeah. We seem to live in an age of mass murder. Okay. You have a nice night. So George Harrison famously played guitar on Belinda Carlisle's Leave a Light On, 1989. You were a big fan of her, yeah? I, I love her. I love the song at the time. I love the song in real time, and I still love it. Um, and to hear the George, I didn't know this at the time when I heard the song on the the radio somewhere, I remember thinking, how could that not be George Harrison? Right. Uh, especially it's mixed in a way because, uh, it was all through Warner brothers. That's the connection. George was on dark horse was an imprint to Warner. And that's what Belinda Carlisle was on because the go-go's were IRS and her solo career was on uh, Warner brothers. Actually, Belinda Carlisle was on MCA records. MCA stands for Music Corporation of America. In 1980, MCA absorbed ECA Records and became known as the Music Cemetery of America. And his style was not just played like late 80s George, it was mixed like late 80s George. It sounds like it's out of cloud nine. And while it's not the greatest song of the world, those changes are really late 80s fun. I know you probably don't love the production, but there's a minor. It's got it's got kind of a nice minor kind of feel to it. That is a song that I have always loved is my point. It's a great late 80s favorite of mine. Yeah, I dig Belinda Carlisle. I remember. Yeah, I remember her coming on the Letterman show a few times and it was always cool. Like she's I, I dig her. I think she's cool. And I think the Go-Go's are pretty rad. They're badass. Yeah. That CD single cover. Oh, my God. That's what it's I'm like saying. Cheesecake calendar, man. I want to <laughs> I want a whole calendar of that, please. Yep. I'm a perv. But hey, man. I, I was, what, 14 when this song was out, so. Dude, uh, 13-year-old me was obsessed with the with the cover of the cassette. I had the Heaven is a Place <laughs> on Earth, the album before this. Oh, I got it. I yeah. was totally obs- And mad about you, the, uh, the song before that. Not the theme to the Paul Reiser show. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I, that's... Oh. I thought that was Belinda Carlisle. Okay. <laughs> no, that's Brandy Carlisle. <laughs> oh, that's Brandy. Oh, thank, right. thank you. So, the, Ron, you, you're part right, Ron. <laughs> this was a great jumping off point to help you and I kind of delve into songs, both familiar and unfamiliar, of the Beatles' Sidemen. Yeah, man, we mentioned in previous shows, uh, Paul Chu's Celery on the Beach Boys' Vegetables. I tried to kick the ball, but my tinny flew right. John and Paul do backing vocals on We Love You, Stones. Paul plays drums on the Steve Miller band's My Dark Hour. Uh, we mentioned a few weeks back George playing guitar on Harry Nilsson's You're Breaking My Heart. I want to say we mentioned Heather Mills featuring Paul. That song Voice, Paul is on uh, vocals and guitar. Yeah, that's, uh, if you like Helen Wheels, you'll love Heather Mills. Heather, Heather! 
Heather Meals. <laughs> Uh, and we should say, yeah, Ron pointed this out that uh, Ringo does play drums on Ian Hunter's new record. It came out this year, Bed of Roses. assessment of a Bon Jovi song. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. So we decided to pick five tracks. I'm not calling these my favorite. I'm just calling them five selections of note. How about that? Great. And I have a $5 foot log. (laughs) Yes, Tony. What the brew heck? Let's take five. <laughs> wow. <laughs> let's take five. I'm Thank very you. Very tired. Thank you. Take it, Tony. Well, let's let, let's have you pick one, then I pick one. You want to do it like that? Yeah, let's do it like that. Um, I am going to pick for my first one. All right, this isn't. I'm going to give an inauspicious beginning to this. This one is from a live album. Now, Tony, we've talked Ringo on this show before, Ringo Live and the All-Star Band. Yeah. I mentioned the rockiest iteration was probably the first one of his in 89, but my favorite, one that I saw three times on tour, including in Boston, Massachusetts, and in the Chicagoland area, is Ringo's tour in the fall and summer of 2001, the all-star band that had Roger Hodgson from Super Tramp, uh-huh. Ian Hunter, um, Sheila E. on the drums. <laughs> you love this. Yeah, this is the one you uh, often ca- cite. Congruously, Greg Lake on bass <laughs> of Emerson Lake and Palmer. Uh, he's the Lake in Emerson he's Lake and Palmer. Yeah. <laughs> he's the Lake in Chicago's W-L-A-K. <laughs> Greg Lake, mornings. <laughs> Welcome back, my friends. And Howard Jones, the 80s synthesizer player, was the keyboard player. I loved Howard Jones in the 80s. And Sure, yeah. Uh, Howard Jones, with Ringo on drums and Lake <laughs> on bass, did uh, a song, and it counts because Ringo's playing drums as a sideman on the Howard Jones spot, of one of the first songs I ever played in front of people for my summer camp talent show. And I have video and audio I'm going to send you. Holy shit. And it's me in the <laughs> summer of 1987 at Haran Theater Camp, then in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. And <laughs> live. I'm, live. And we'll do it live. I was the closing act because I was already the kind of fun piano kid at the time. And I'm wearing like a polo, of course. Thanks, Mom. It's on sale at Fields. And uh, maybe it was full price. I don't know. And um, I uh, played this song, uh, Howard Jones, No One Is to Blame. It's one of the first times I performed. Wow, man. That is amazing. That is amazing. (laughs) So a little bit beyond me about the song. Yeah, this was a massive hit. It was on a 1985 Howard Jones album. But I remember this. The single was a different mix. And the single in 86, the same year Press to Play came out, was remixed by Phil Collins and Hugh Padham with Phil Collins playing drums. They were both part of the Press to Play. Hugh produced that and Phil Collins played drums in the remix of Angry. So yeah, man, this is there's kind of a nice Paul connection there too. No one, no one, no one is to blame. And the remix became the hit. It was so successful, Warner Brothers issued a cassette EP called Dream Into Action, centered around the single version of No One Is to Blame. It's Howard Jones' highest charting hit. It hit number four in 1986, and to hear Howard Jones play with Ringo was pretty cool. Now, I'll say this. In retrospect, two moments. During the intro, a woman in the audience who's probably 107 screams, yeah, Howard. (laughs) 
And the version on the CD is a show I was at. This is the Rosemont <laughs> show, <laughs> August 22nd of 01, the official CD. You were there for at. this. You were here. Wow. That, so you're on this record. That's the one where I yell all the young dudes right before. Um, <laughs> right. Right before trail. Take the Long Way Home. <laughs> So I was I was into the bar Chicago classic rock. How come Kansas ain't in this band? I want to hear Wayward Son because I don't talk to my kid. You can love but you just can't love You're the fastest runner, but you're not allowed to win to break the rules. And let's count the cost now. Uh, this song's got nostalgia for me, and um, but oh, this so point two, Tony. It's a terrible performance. Nobody's <laughs> confident. Nobody's enjoying it. It doesn't end. In retrospect, it's a lousy version. <laughs> I was gonna, so okay, okay. Thank you for saying that. It's my, really lousy. My question to you, TJ, after hearing this song was. Do you like really long elevator rides? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like six minute elevator rides. Do you just like sitting in an elevator <laughs> and hearing songs that almost have changes in them? <laughs> <laughs> it does go. It's, it's the long version. And then at the end, he's all like. For 10 minutes, he's going. <laughs> Like, no, one, like, yeah. no one knows what's happening. <laughs> well, well, great lead-off track, TJ. <laughs> Ringo playing on the Howard Jones number one adult contemporary charts hit. <laughs> no one is to blame. No one is to blame for that one, TJ. <laughs> I'm just, just, I'm just following my heart. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Uh, my first pick is uh, from 1968. It's the Jackie Lomax single, Sour Milk Sea. Jackie Lomax, of course, their pal from Liverpool. He sang in the group The Undertakers. Oh, my potato, yeah. song written by George. We all know this from the Esher demos. Yeah, but never tried by the Beatles. I, I suppose they decided to give it to uh, Jackie. George is playing rhythm guitar. He's got the solo. Should also be noted, George is producing this whole record. If your life's not right, doesn't satisfy you. You don't get the breaks like some of us. I've got the cassette on Apple from the 91 reissue. <laughs> have I heard it? No, I don't know, but I haven't heard it or have it. And by the way, Tony, God bless Jackie Lomax and George, but Howard Jones over this. <laughs> Especially bored Howard Jones. <laughs> that bored Which is, Chile. I believe, I believe that's his blues name. <laughs> So Sour Milk C. So George is playing on this. Also, Paul's playing bass. Ringo's on drums. And there's also contributions from Eric Clapton and Nicky Hopkins. So this has some personnel on it, man. Yeah. 
It's like a plastic Ono Band record without John. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good. It, it didn't hit, though. They released it uh, when Apple released their big four. Uh, obviously, uh, it was Hey Jude and uh, Mary... Mary... Uh, Mary Hopkin. Mary Hopkin. Those were the days, my friend. We thought they'd never end. We'd sing and dance forever and a day. Oh, this is interesting. We're talking about... Uh, advertising and stuff. Simon Lang, George's biographer, said that with Sour Milk C, Harrison adopted the role of advertising executive to further promote uh, TM, Transcendental Meditation. Yeah. So yeah, there's like a commercial for uh, TM. Uh, which Stevie Wonder did the same thing in some of his tunes from around that era and, and through the early 70s. Transcendental Meditation gives peace of mind Beach Boys. Uh, yes, the beach. Yeah, that's right. George was really disappointed that this wasn't a hit. George thought this should have been a hit. Yeah. He was really upset that it wasn't. I like this record. This whole album is great. And I think uh, I would I would love to do a deep dish on it someday. Uh, I think it's deserving of a deep dish. Yeah. And a spin. Give it a spin. It's on Spotify or whatever. It's on the things that you, you listen to. It's on. Yeah. It. It's officially available as part of that Apple box set when they reissued a lot of that stuff in 2010. Is this what you want? Is this what you want? Is this what you want? Apple pie and ice cream. Do you treat your mama me? Yeah. What do you got, man? Tony, I'll redeem myself and I'll leave the 80s and the mm. early 2000s for a moment. And I'll go to one where a song John played on that's a Beatles song that was a number one hit for the person who covered it that right. the Beatles never released as a single. And that, of course, is Elton John doing Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Right. Yeah. There's two versions, too, right? Well, there's the live version, of course, that he did with John Lennon at Madison Square Garden, which is great. Now, we'll, we'll talk about it. That's not on my list for today. I want to talk about the studio version, which was just a single. And in fact, this single was backed with One Day at a Time. Right. Unfortunately, it's not the Mind Games version. It's the Bonnie Franklin <laughs> song. What a, I, you know, I was so disappointed. But <laughs> I do like that song. It's kind of better. I wish he had done Laverne and Shirley, though. We're going there. <laughs> That's a bad... Franklin's one day to them doesn't have you. Yeah, man. So this is a great version, and John Lennon's playing guitar on this. He's also singing um, backing vocals, which are audible toward the end of the song. They're way more audible in the live concert version. Yeah, but yeah. it's so cool that Elton John had a number one hit with Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds right before John went into retirement. Because right around the same time, the favor was Elton John then played him whatever gets you through the night. And that's when they said, if this becomes a number one hit, I'll go play with you, Elton. And it became number one. And they played, of course, over Thanksgiving weekend in 1974. But uh, yeah, man, uh, this song made number one in January of 75, backed with One Day at a Time from Mind Games from a couple years before. It's really fucking cool. And it wasn't billed to John Lennon. It was billed under the pseudonym Dr. Winston O'Boogie. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, I read this was recorded at Caribou Ranch, which is in the Rocky Mountains. In Colorado. Yeah, yeah. So there's this, the ooze on this are not Scottish at all. <laughs> no. They had a Colorado engineer on, on it. <laughs> <laughs> we all need a Colorado engineer, man. Yeah. <laughs> 
Good pick. Good pick. I think you've. I think you redeemed yourself. <laughs> and if I may, Tony, that version is probably best remembered as being in the soundtrack to the 1976 musical documentary All This and World War II. Oh, wow. There you go. There's your bar trivia for you. Oh, and you know what else? Queen stole that bicycle riff from the dumb flute part of this. Boop, boop, boop. Boop, boop, boop. Queen ripped off from this. Good. That's good. Good for you. You're you're a sleuth that way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. My second pick comes to us from Nicky Hopkins. He had a solo album in 72 called The Tin Man Was a Dreamer. It's another great record that I also highly recommend. It's got a real kinks feel. George played guitar on four songs. Banana Anna. (laughs) Edward. Speed on. But my favorite is waiting for the band. Without a road, how can I make it back to you? Without a light above, how can I find the way? Turn on your love light, let it shine like a beacon, won't you see me through? Baby, how can I be happy without you? Yeah, I, I dig this song, man. I really like it. The way he plays, it feels like he's got uh, more than 10 fingers, man. He's just like... I quite like this song. George's guitar is great. And Nicky Hopkins, I'd never heard this song. I'd never heard any solo Nicky Hopkins before. I want to hear all of it. Yeah. It's great playing. It, the voice isn't great, but who cares? The the, the playing's great. Oh, I kind of like it. I, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. To me, though, he's got one of those voices like the Lou Reed or the Malkmus. Like, they're, they're not supposed to be big arena singers. They're singing honestly, you know what I mean? Yes, and I get this. And I know we feel different. Like, I think the singers I like are more the ones who can be emotion and melody. The John... Paul, Howard Jones, <laughs> the ones who are able to kind of do both. <laughs> the lyrics are funny, man. Uh, presumably about waiting for maybe the Stones to show up. He played on a lot of Stones sessions. He was kind of their, their guy. Slower, I'm getting slower. I've heard so much before. Lower, I'm sinking lower. Pretty soon you find me on the floor. Under the piano waiting for the band to come. I didn't know that's what the lyrics were about. That's that's really neat. Yeah, waiting for the band. Yeah, yeah. Because he also, yeah, it should be noted that the Kinks wrote that song "Session Man." I think that was also about Nicky Hopkins, because uh, he also played on Kinks records. Yeah. He never will forget it all. The day he played at the Albert Hall, a million sessions ago, it seemed he's a session man. Yeah, George plays slide guitar on this. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Kind of the closing solo. So you get, yeah, you get to hear some of that. This is like that sweet spot for his slide playing, you know? 72. Is it my turn now? It's your turn, man. All right. Should I go back and a... Okay, I'm going to do one that will annoy you, but shouldn't. (laughs) Because you're not going to love the gated snare. (laughs) Which one could it be? And this is uh, one of the fruitful McCartney-McManus collaborations. Only this one belonged to Elvis Costello. 
It is the hit from the Spike album, and it is the 1989 considerable top 20 hit, Veronica. Is it all in that pretty little head of yours? What goes on in that place in the dark? Well, I used to know a girl, and I could have sworn that her name was Veronica. Well, she used to have a carefree mind of her own, and a delicate look in her eyes. Yeah, it's co-written by Paul, huh? That's right. Co-written by Paul. And more importantly, this song marked the return of the Hoffner bass guitar. Right. Which was uh, Costello's idea, right? Yes, it was Elvis Costello's idea. It had been in storage at the original tour set list from their final tour. And he hadn't used it. And the sound of the bass in this song, this was released before My Brave Face. First of all, different producers. So this song has a different sound. My Brave Face is more a Paul song. Veronica, clearly more of an Elvis Costello song. I think the song is fantastic. It made us number 19 in the Billboard charts. There's kind of a psychedelic bridge. It's got a very 89 kind of XTC, Tears for Fears, kind of modern looking back we've talked about the kind of 89 with some echoes of summer of love from the anniversary a few years prior yeah and this song kind of feels nice in that so mccartney's playing the bass he doesn't he doesn't sing on it which is a little frustrating (laughs) um but it's t-bone burnett acoustic guitar he produced it too ben montench from uh tom petty's band playing piano mitchell Froome, who produced uh the mccartney stuff and the uh my brave face Jerry Marotta, who played with Paul on some of the press to play stuff. It's um, it's a great song. I think my favorite Elvis Costello song. And this song is nothing without Paul's propelling bass for the first time on record since the 70s with this particular bass or the or 60s, I should say. Yeah, I detected a little uh, Penny Lane piccolo trumpet bit in there, like a keyboard version of the Penny Lane trumpet. Yes. Which is Elvis's favorite McCartney song, by the way. Is that right? Yeah, it's the one he played to honor Paul at the um, Obama-led Gershwin Awards. That's cool, man. That's cool. What do you think of this one? And again, I say I think don't. I know you're not going to love how the snares mixed. It's very <laughs> 1989. <laughs> But where are you with this song and where are you with the song comparatively to My Brave Face? My Brave Face only hit, I think, 25 in the charts. So this was a this was a the bigger hit. More. Interesting. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah, it's it's definitely it's an Elvis Costello style song for sure. It, it, it's so to me, there's this one in particular has like a sugar, it's real sugary. So I don't hate it or anything. I don't dislike it. I like the augmented chord. I, I think I like where it goes. I feel like the the verse sounds like textbook Elvis Costello and then it gets more interesting. I'm the Empress of India, and as she closed her eyes upon the world and picked upon the bones of last week's Yeah, I don't know who, that's a great point. I don't know who wrote what, but I feel like it's the opposite of Paul. I've imagined it's the opposite of John and Paul. The dissonance in this song, I feel like, comes from Paul. And I feel like uh, Elvis mm. wrote the verse, but I also could be, and I love this era. I should know this. Maybe I'm wildly misinformed, but that's what I've decided. <laughs> and as we know in 2023, yeah. whatever you decide <laughs> is apparently the truth. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. I like it all right. I like that. I like that Costello got Paul to play the old Hofner bass again. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, Elvis Costello, the last thing I'll say in this, will always have a part in being part of the renaissance we've seen for Paul McCartney's mo- most recent last act because he got on the road to plug the album that he co wrote many tracks with 
Elvis Costello. And he took that album seriously and he toured it. So Elvis Costello will always be a big part to me of Paul getting back on the road for the first time in the States since the uh, the Wings of America tour. And I will say, lastly, I saw them both in 2010 in Hyde Park in London. There was mm. this all-day music festival. I finished a Second City gig in oh, Manchester cool. on, a, on, a, on a cruise ship. I got off a Second City ship and I, <laughs> I took a week because McCartney was playing four days later. So I did Liverpool and London. Wow, man. And McCartney closed the night. Elvis opened the day. It was great. It was Elvis Costello, Crowded House, and Paul McCartney. It was a really cool uh, lineup. And I kept thinking, oh, clearly Elvis Costello's going to come back and they're going to do My Brave Face or Veronica or something. They didn't do it. I'll never understand huh. why. Or like, they have you seen them do One After 909 with just two guitars on stage tapping their feet? They perform together sometimes and it's really neat. They didn't do it, but yeah, big big Elvis Costello. Baby says it's happening on the One After 909. Well, my next shot, my next shot. <laughs> <laughs> You're not giving up your next shot. I am not throwing away my shot. Well, next up for me, TJ, is uh, Basketball Jones featuring Tyrone Shoelaces by Cheech and Chong. <laughs> yes. Yeah, man. 1973 from the LP Los Cochinos. This song charted, man. This song got up to number 15 <laughs> on the Billboard Hot 100. Basketball Jones, I got a basketball Jones, got a basketball Jones, oh baby, ooh. That's Cheech's Tyrone, yes. Tyrone Shoelaces. Uh-huh. Cheech is short for Chicharron, fried pork rind. Uh, according to Cheech, George Harrison and those guys were in the next studio recording, so Lou Adler just ran over there and played the song for them. They made the track right on the spot. So this is George Harrison on electric guitar, Billy Preston on the organ, mm. Klaus Vorman on bass. And cocaine on the desk. <laughs> Nicky Hopkins on piano, Carol King on the electric piano. I need, oh. I need someone to set up. The cheerleaders are the Blossoms. That's Ronnie Spector, Darlene Love, and Michelle Phillips from Mamas and the Papas. <laughs> and then Dick Slide Hyde from Steely Dan is on brass. And this got some players on it. <laughs> yeah. It's like the Blues Brothers soundtrack, but with a lot more drugs. <laughs> yeah. And just on a whim. I mean, it's yeah, an easy wow. song. We could totally learn it. Uh, a parody of Love Jones by The Brighter Side of Darkness. But you see, I not only want you, baby, but I need you. And the need is so strong, it's almost like that of a junkie. In other words, baby, I just got to have you. Listen to me, darling. Please, listen to me. Yeah, my friend Rob Garwacky put this on a mixtape for me back in the, the 90s. You can't find it on, it's not streaming. Uh-huh. I mean, it's on YouTube or whatever, but it's not on uh, Spotify, et cetera. So seek it out. It's a fun, it's always been a fun song. This song's got more moves than X-Lax. <laughs> This 
song is so great. I've known this song a while, and I never knew that was George Harrison playing. I didn't know who the players were. I just knew this as a funny bit song. Isn't that crazy? That like made its way to me in the late 80s, early 90s, somehow on a tape or some someone's joke song tape. Yeah, man. It's a Lost Beatles song. It, it's, it's totally a Lost Beatles song, <laughs> and I feel like this song's lost to time. No one talks about the song anymore. Mm-mm. Is this song offensive? <laughs> Probably, sure. Can you... Like, is it out of the, the, the realm? I mean, it's a historical document. We're not commenting on the merits of whether or not it should be done now or not. We're talking about yeah its Beatle connection. But is, like, could you play the song now? Would people dig it or, or would, like, younger people go, uh, what the, what is this? Yeah, I suppose people that want to be mad will, will be mad about it. Otherwise, they can listen to the music and decide that it's fun music. It's clearly not meant to be, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, but there's some fun lines on it. Though, re- regardless, like, I mean, it's very dated and of its time. Got more moves than X Lax. That's such like an '80s. <laughs> this is '72, by the way, but that became such an '80s thing. Yep. Smooth move, X Lax. Hook shot with my eyebrow. Dunk it with my nose. I mean, to me, it's just a fun song about a, a, a an overly confident, like kooky basketball player. That's that's what I hear. So, and it doesn't end. It's it's a long one too, but it's, it's very funny. <laughs> This next one of mine, Tony's apparently controversial in my research for this. Uh, I guess a lot of critics don't like this song, um, but I've liked it since I heard it. And it is a David Bowie cover of Across the Universe that's got John playing acoustic guitar on it. Yeah, that's cool, man. And yeah, it, this is the same era of the song Young Americans. I think this was tacked on to the Young Americans album. Yes. And the song Young Americans which I've known just from classic rock radio, I've always gotten chills when the backup singers sing. Yeah. The day in the life quote is in the run out of the songs. Very chilling. It's wonderful. Yeah. I've always, I've always dug that part too. The first mashup TJ. Yeah. The first live it's, it's Bowie's the original (laughs) stars on 45. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of basketball, Jones, you gotta beat the clock. Gotta beat the clock. Why? You're about to sing no reply. What's the rush? This happened once before. I came to your door. No reply. Yeah, there's a great, uh, great, great quote uh, from Bowie. Uh, Across the universe is a flower power sort of thing that John Lennon wrote. I always thought it was fabulous, but very watery in the original, and I hammered the hell out of it. Not many people like it. I like it a lot, and I <laughs> sing very well at the end of it. Words are flowing out like endless rain Into a paper cup They slither wildly as they slip away Across the universe Pools of sorrow, waves of joy Are drifting through my open mind Possessing and caressing me Oh, and another great Bowie quote. People say I use John Lennon on this track. Let me tell you, no one uses John Lennon. John just came and played on it. He was lovely. What do you think of this cover? I think his vocals are like over the top. I think I feel like he's 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 reimagining the song for the cheap seats at, in a like a theater production of something. Yes, it's very theatrical. I get a theater production vibe. Yeah. So that's the vibe. So I get why people I, I I get why people don't like this version as much as the original, which is so flowy and it's John. It's John's voice. So how can you how can you you can't ever improve on the original with this song in particular? You're right. And yet there's something about that rhythm section. And what is it? That's Carlos Alomar and rhythm guitar. A lot of a lot of press to play veterans in, the, in these <laughs> underrated <laughs> album. I cannot wait to our press to play deep dish will be two months long. I just want to talk about move over busker and what a sweaty vest means. Uh, <laughs> Paul, I, but yeah, that's Carlos Alomar, John Lennon playing acoustic, Earl Slick on lead guitar. I mean, talk about great players. Um 
yeah, and it is overwrought, but why isn't David Bowie allowed to be overwrought and theatrical to one of the great Lennon compositions ever? I think it works. It changes keys. He modulates oh, yeah. it. I, yeah, I, I, I saw that. I heard that. And I saw it. It was such a, <laughs> such a good change. I saw it. Yeah. And, you know, the whole idea of how John and David Bowie met at, I guess, a, a party Elizabeth Taylor had. And oh. John thought he offended David Bowie because David Bowie just wanted to play the young Americans acetating us over and over and over again. <laughs> And everyone's like, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I think it's cool. And they did become a friendship. And what came from this, of course, was a major hit for Bowie that John co-wrote and produced called Fame. Fame! Which could be another uh, sidemen gig for John. Well, and uh, Jimmy Nickel uh, dumped the bucket on Jennifer <laughs> Beals during Irene Cara's song Fame. <laughs> I just combined two films. <laughs> uh, oh, get ready for this one. Uh, in 1975, off of Keith Moon's disastrous LP, Two Sides of the Moon. You know, that's the one when you pull out the sleeve and there's a picture of Keith's butt. <laughs> <laughs> that one. Uh, Keith and Ringo <laughs> do a thing called Together. Yes! Thank you. This song justifies this podcast, our friendship. I I, I played this three times. <laughs> so, right. In the spirit of the John Lennon's rock and roll album and Harry Nelson's Pussycats, this is one of those uh, just, yeah, bad studio experiences. Nothing gets done. <laughs> Everyone's on drugs. Keith can't sing. Uh-oh, what do we do? <laughs> Harry Nilsson wrote this song. Uh, Klaus Vorman on the bass. Keltner and Ringo on drums. Jesse Ed Davis on one of the many guitars. There's always too many guitarists. <laughs> <laughs> what is this, Bangladesh? Yeah. <laughs> Close, it's Together by Keith Moon. Life isn't easy when two are divided and one has decided to bring down the curtain but one thing's for certain there's nothing to keep them together. How does it happen that two can be tender and one be the lender of love and emotion that covered the ocean of sadness that kept them together? Yeah, so it's this weird song. It's got steel drums all over it. It's just like... It's a TV theme, Tony. Yeah, it's, yeah, this is Keith's sitcom with Ringo. Yeah, so Keith does his bit, and then Ringo comes in to, like, announce him. And here he is, that well-known star of stage screen in the rainbow, Mr. Keith Moon! Then they do this kind of love boat thing where it's like they're introducing each other. I'm a old friend. A surprise to see. Yes, your friend and his, Mr. Ringo Starr. I don't think we're talking terribly, terribly quick. Yeah, he's what no man asked for. Then they go into playing the dozens. My girl's so ugly. She gets up in the morning to do a tea. The toothpaste backs away down the tube. <laughs> then they make a dead dog joke. <laughs> My dog doesn't eat meat. Your dog, why doesn't your dog eat meat? We don't give it any. Why didn't you give your dog meat? He's been dead two years now. I'm glad I got that one in. I believe the joke is, why don't you give your dog meat? Punchline, he's been dead two years. <laughs> right. God. These are like, yeah, I think they invented anti-comedy right there. <laughs> That's right. Check out these guys at the upstairs gallery in 2011. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, so Ringo plays on this, so that he, he's a sideman on this, uh, he's playing second banana to Keith Moon on this one. Yeah, this to me, it's a snapshot of L.A. rock and roll overindulgent sadness uh, <laughs> with the steel drums, like, it's just like, oh, yeah, oh, that's right, I live in paradise, but it's this, like terrible song it's like you're living this sunny dreadful day over and over again and 
<laughs> Tony, my good friend, my note is this. It's the darkest happy song I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, man. This is Dark Side of the Sun. That's what this is. <laughs> it's a lot coming. <laughs> I loved it. How have I never heard it before? It really like, it's almost like if Toot and a Snore had, were better mic'd. Yeah. <laughs> In my life, I love you more. Oh, uh, well that, yeah. So that concludes my fourth submission. Well, Tony, <laughs> I'm glad that my last submission echoes your previous submission, and it has one beetle talking gibberish. <laughs> and I have been laughing about this since January of 1985. I'm oh, I love it. I'm being honest with you. Uh, because I have the 12-inch version of Band-Aid's charity single, Do They Know It's Christmas. Do they know it's Christmas time at all? Now, everybody knows the 45 is split into two very distinct themes written by, I believe, Bob Geldof and Midge Err. Yeah. And the first half is called Do They Know It's Christmas? And the second half is called Feed the World. And in the 12-inch version, it goes into <laughs> random talking from random <laughs> famous people <laughs> from the random early 80s. And it's all these random people, and they sing, and it's lovely. And you hear from Bono. Okay. Well, this is Bono here, the singer with you, too. Wishing you a happy Christmas and a, and a Merry New Year. Is that right? And at the beginning of this, it's like Paul McCartney with what might be on a voicemail or an yeah. early answering machine. <laughs> yeah. He's clearing out the session, and he says, Hello, this is Paul McCartney. Sorry I can't be with you. Ha, ha, ha. Hello, this is Paul McCartney. Sorry I can't be with you. <laughs> it's a real laugh, though. He's it's laughing. A, it's a real laugh. It's This is an album as charity song for famine. <laughs> right. Right. Hi, it's Paul McCarty. Sorry, I can't be with you. <laughs> <laughs> then, like, as it goes, you what? hear from Simon from Duran Duran. Merry Christmas. Yes. Midge Err again. Uh, Merry, hello, this is from Paul Ultra McCarty. Box. From Ultravox. <laughs> and then you get, hello, this is Paul McCarty. Feed the world. Have a, and then they start repeating his name. They yeah. turn Paul McCartney into an early AI hip hop dumb <laughs> edit. Paul McCartney becomes a joke. Hello, hello, this is Paul McCartney. Feed the world, don't know what's Hello, this is Paul McCartney. Hello, this is Paul McCartney. Feed the world, don't know what's going on. Sorry, I can't remember This was Paul McCartney's audition tape to be Max Headroom. <laughs> this is my, my Max Headroom. Or at least interrupt Chicago Tonight <laughs> on Channel 11. <laughs> yeah, Paul McCartney is Captain Midnight. <laughs> so yeah, man, it's one of the funniest things I've ever heard. And the song continues on, Tony, because after oh that, yeah. I mean, you've got David Bowie giving a spooky fundraising pitch. The guy from Frankie goes to Hollywood laughing in an evil voice. Bob Geldof fetching about how late it is. He's like, we've been recording all day. It's now 7 a.m. on Tuesday. We want to go home. This record was recorded on the 25th of November, 1984. It's now 8am in the morning of the 26th. We've been here 24 hours and I think it's time we went home. And following <laughs> yeah. that, yeah. I, dude, if, how does this sound? I'm about, to, I'm, about, I'm about to give you a hot take. The count in to feed the world and what follows is one of my favorite moments on record. <laughs> Dude, the way I feel about this Christmas moment, if non-Jews could feel this way about Hanukkah songs, the world would be great. I mean, when they go one, two, three, four, and I imagine it's like a whole Sgt. Pepper movie cast. It's so many people. and Because that's what Band-Aid is. It's the Sgt. Yeah. Pepper movie 10 years later. Yeah. And that Feed the World, Let Them Know It's Christmas Again, I could listen to that for 10 minutes. It's an anthem. <laughs> 
remember this or was this new to you? The weird, because the Paul part was not in the single. No, no, I'm not familiar with the extended version. I had a vague memory of, do they know it's Christmas? Uh, I actually forgot that it preceded We Are the World. This is what started the whole We Are the World thing. So this is the first one. Yeah, this is November of 84. We Are the World's early 85. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, I loved learning about it, though. I I learned that Boy (laughs) boy George was late, you know, and everyone had to, you know, they like pulled, they yanked Boy George out of some tour that he was on and like, you got to be on this record. He's like, I'm fucking tired, man. No. And so as soon as he got there at like 6 p.m., you know, they they throw him in the booth and record your part. (laughs) Phil Collins brought his whole drum kit there. Drum set to overdub, and that's why it's do 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 one two three four. I love it. Spando ballet is out there. Cool and the gang was there, and then like Nigel from the Young Ones shows up, uninvited, and is like doing bits with everyone. And representing scumbag, we have Neil. Vegetable rights and peace. Neil from the Young Ones is what I meant. Nigel Planer is his name. Okay. Yeah. So Neil from the Young Ones totally like crashed the event. <laughs> it's absolutely <laughs> perfect. And Bob Geldof, when he was asked about it, said something like, "I've been part- with this, and we are the world is. I've been part of two of the worst songs in the history of music." <laughs> for Bob Geldof. Yeah. Geldon. <laughs> yeah. Geldof. Yeah. Can we get this Geldon Geldof, please? <laughs> or can we turn the Geldof on the Geldof on? Whatever you're doing with this charity shit, knock it off. <laughs> Geldof, Geldof, and Mitcher. <laughs> so, yeah, man, I, again, that McCartney remix gibberish on a charity single to raise money for children yeah, that's- who can't eat is one of the greatest. <laughs> Another great moment in Paul McCartney on Columbia Records history. That is, I love it, man. I love it. Thank you for enlightening me on that uh-huh. one. Uh, I'm going to leave you with my last pick, produced by John and Yoko in 1972. <laughs> <laughs> They've, they're supplying backing vocals on this fucking banger from 1972, <laughs> Elephant's Memory. Gypsy Wolf. <laughs> it's very Elephant's Memory. This song is a banger. It's a monster truck. This song is Bigfoot running over your Ford Fiesta, TJ. <laughs> Better take your tapes and eight tracks out. lyrics man these lyrics will eat you alive it's so who's singing this <laughs> the guy from elephant's memory but, yeah, but <laughs> i who? forget his name i, don't, I, I, mean, I gotta look it up i didn't write his name <laughs> vocal credits on gypsy wolf include all members of elephant's memory including yoko ono and john lennon no, that's not John Lennon on vocal, for sure. <laughs> but John and Yoko are on the they're on the backing vocal. Is, is it Elliot Mintz? <laughs> <laughs> I mean it sounds like Voltron or something, you know, just without <laughs> reverb. Phil! Phil, more reverb on Voltron. <laughs> <laughs> and then that double time business on the fade yes. out, like this song, man, I'm telling you, this song could light a small town. It could power a small town. This song is needed. This song got crazy. I'd never heard this one before. <laughs> Elvin's memory snacks on bands like Ambrosia and Poco and Orleans. Elvin's memory eats you. <laughs> chomp, chomp. You get the bar so low. <laughs> hey, Loggins and Messina, Elvin's memory's about to kick your yeah. asses with yeah. one punch. England, Dan, and the other guy. <laughs> your lunch. <laughs> I am talking about moving in, and I do want to change your life. <laughs> 
That's a great one. Thank you for hipping me to that one, Tony. Oh, you're welcome, man. You're such a big Elephant's Memory Band fan. Oh, yeah. I, I defend them to the grave. Okay. Was John Lennon part of Elephant's Memory in your mind? Uh, no. No. Uh, okay. No, he's not in that band. No. But they backed him. him. Okay, because he does sing about them in New York City, and I don't want John Lennon to be like Bad Company singing about himself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the song Bad Company on the album Bad Company by the Bad Bad Company. (laughs) And they sing about Bad Company. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's why they call it. Bad Company. So... Tony, there's a ton more of these, and there's some that are on our yeah. bubbling under list that I actually want to save so we can do a two-part, or maybe we Definitely. can ask people to send us theirs. We can do listener side men stuff. Yeah, I like that a lot, man. Yeah, let's yeah, this this will be round one, we'll call this. We'll revisit this topic again, just like Beatlesque bangers. Five. As we uh, enter into season three, uh, we're kind of in the early days of season three of the Untitled Beatles podcast. Season four, TJ. Season four. You started season one in 2020, season two in 21, season three in 22. And back in June of 23, we kicked off season four. A lot of shows used to start in the fall. We now apparently start in the summer. Yeah. We, well, we, ne- we never take a week off, man. We are the, your blue collar Beatles ass podcast. Long nights, impossible jobs. You're going, that one. Um, but I just did want to say that we appreciate everyone who supports us. Thank you very much for listening to us. And I think as a reward, we're finally close, Tony, to mm. getting into Ringo's Bubba Bad Boy. We ready for this? Let's do it. Next week, Bad Boy, we promise. My fingers are crossed behind my back, you suckers who listen to podcasts. <laughs> my balls are crossed. I've been in pain this whole time. Oh, God. It's, it's called torsion testicle. I, I need to call a physician. <laughs> Not funny. It's how you d- breaks off. <laughs> Untitled Beatles podcast. Like and subscribe. I think if we bleep out dick, I think it's fine. Yeah, there's an out in there somewhere. I mean, it's not my proudest out, but it's an out.